Telling the truth about abuse is risky for many reasons that we'll explore in this episode. When you're exposing abuse in your family, office, social group, or society at large, there is a predictable reaction. It's helpful to know what the pattern of reaction is so you can be prepared if you're planning on speaking up about the abuse. Why is it so hard to take a stand and speak the truth? This is Meredith Miller, and you're listening to the Inner Integration Podcast, where you can learn the mindsets and tools to self-heal after narcissistic abuse. The inconvenient truth is disturbing to abusers and to those who enable them by covering it up. When you upset the power structure in a group or system by revealing the truth about the abuse, both the abusers and their enablers will defend the power structure and try to destroy you in the process. The human mind develops a cognitive bias around what we want to believe. When the mind is confronted with information or evidence that contradicts our strongly held beliefs, this generates a deep sense of discomfort. This is the cause of cognitive dissonance that you develop as a result of the abuse. Part of your mind wants to believe in the good and the abuser, and another part of your mind knows that person is an abuser. Your mind can't reconcile the difference between these two contradictory beliefs, so the mind short-circuits and you fall back into denial, which is a lot easier than accepting the truth. People don't just tolerate lies, they often demand it, because most people would rather live in a beautiful lie than to know the ugly truth. The powers that be in the world know this, and that's how they keep getting away with their crimes against humanity. They know they can keep rug-sweeping their abuses even when they are revealed, because even when the evidence is crystal clear, there will always be people who prefer to live the lie. That makes it easier for the powers that be to enforce the punishment of truth as a crime. The same thing happens in families when abuse is revealed or discovered. Most of the family will prefer to live a lie and keep praising the abusers while denying the reality of the victims. They'll prefer to believe in the image of the family that they want to have. They would rather eulogize your dead relative than admit that person was a pedophile and a predator who abused you. When you speak up for the truth, you become the scapegoat to carry the shame and the sins of the family. You can also see this happen in social organizations and groups when abuse is revealed. People will defend the abusive leaders because they want so badly to believe in their guru, their team, their president, or their organization, and also because of the self-importance that they feel when they align themselves with it. It takes a lot of courage to speak up about abuse in families and social systems. A lot. If you've ever done it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're paying attention to the global trends of persecuting truth-tellers, then you also know what I'm talking about at a macro level. It's extremely frustrating when you can see the truth and you know that those who commit the abuse and crimes go unpunished, while those who expose the abuse and crimes are hunted down and punished. Edward Snowden, a whistleblower who exposed the grave abuses of constitutional rights in the United States, said, People don't realize how hard it is to speak the truth to a world full of people that don't realize they're living a lie. The same thing happens in small worlds of people like families, communities, or companies. 
If you start speaking the truth about sexual abuse by one of your relatives, for example, watch how the family turns on you. Chances are, the only ones who stand with you are those who went through the same thing. They are woke to the abuse that they personally went through, and so they can recognize and validate when it happens to others. If you speak out about the abuse of power by leaders in the company that you work for, you will likely become enemy number one of those who want to believe in the good of the leaders they work for. Remember in the movie Inception, when the subject's subconscious realizes that it's being influenced by a dreamer, it will create projections that go on the attack in order to defend the subject's mind from invasion. It's like that as soon as you reveal abuse in a group. What seemed like a lovely dream turns into a terrifying nightmare where you're being attacked by people who don't want to believe you or accept your truth. You can be isolated, hated, and sometimes even killed when you speak the truth. It's dangerous business telling the truth. History is full of these stories. Are you standing up for the truth in your life? What's the cost of doing that? Maybe you can also relate to the inner knowing that despite all of that, you have to speak the truth. You just can't swallow that anymore. Nothing feels as good as standing in your truth because that's when you are the most authentically you. I want to talk about the typical things that happen when you take a stand for the truth in your family, the office, a social group, or society at large. I'm not telling you this to convince you that it's safer not to speak up. It's definitely safer not to speak up. However, speaking up for the truth is one of the most courageous things you can do to stand in your personal integrity and to stop carrying the burden of the shame that doesn't belong to you. Speaking up about the truth of the abuse in my family was one of the best things I did for my self-esteem, self-respect, and sense of self. It wasn't easy, and the collateral damage can go on for years, if not a lifetime. But regardless... I would never go back. Here are seven patterns that you'll see when you speak up for the truth in an abusive system. Number one, the truth shakes up the status quo. Abusers don't like the status quo to be interrupted because that gets in the way of their power structure and agenda. They will do whatever they can to maintain their monopoly on power so they can get what they want. If you get in their way, you are likely in harm's way. Keep in mind that many people who are good people might not want the status quo to change either because it's more comfortable for them than imagining the changes that would have to come if the current power structures were disrupted. There would be external changes and also, perhaps the hardest part, dealing with the internal perspective shifts that would have to happen in order to assimilate the new reality. Your family might abuse you for revealing the truth about the abuse that took place by family members. Sometimes it's more overt, other times it's much more covert, like giving you the silent treatment or emailing the whole family, including you, on the birthday of your abuser with loads of love-bombing eulogies about the abuser that make you feel sick. Or maybe they step up their dog-whistling techniques where they say inflammatory and provocative things to you indirectly while talking with the whole group who doesn't understand why it's so upsetting to you because to them, it just sounds like normal conversation. Telling the truth about abuse in your family will upset the power dynamic. 
It will also reveal other abusers that you hadn't realized were abusers, and maybe they were even really close with you before you revealed the truth. In the office, the company might force you to work on a team with your abuser or your abuser's proxy, the one that they use to abuse you indirectly so they can look clean. Then, when you're uncomfortable being around that person, they question your mental competency and also maybe your future at that company. They might purposely provoke you during meetings, and if you react or act out, then they have fodder to say that you're unstable, aggressive, and that you're the only one with a problem, and maybe they'll even fire you. The military-industrial complex does a good job of fear-mongering in order to create a codependency among the masses of people who beg for the state to protect them, surrendering their rights in the process and falling right into the trap. The war profiteers get what they want and the state develops more control over the masses. It's not overnight totalitarianism. It's a slow, turning up the heat on the frog in the pot kind of process. Individuals are more easily controlled when they believe they're free and autonomous. When you call out the truth about the slow march toward a closed society, the people around you will attack you because they are so deeply embedded in the power dynamic and status quo that they will defend the abusers. When you call out the truth, understand that all-out war might begin within the system where the abuse took place in order to maintain the status quo. Number two, people often won't believe you. When people are confronted with information and evidence that disrupts their perspective of reality, they will often deny the truth that you are exposing and then turn on you in order to avoid the discomfort and disillusion of having to face the truth and accept that their family member, boss, guru, friend, or the world is not the way they wanted to believe. They might even attack you, shame you, discredit you, and silence you because they would prefer to live in a fantasy world. If they can discredit you, they can go on living their fantasy and pretending like the truth is not happening. When you call out the truth, remind yourself that just because other people don't believe you and validate the fact that the abuse happened, that doesn't discredit the truth of what happened. Number three, you will lose friends. When you speak up about the truth, people will get uncomfortable. It's not your fault and it's not your responsibility how they feel. Don't swallow the truth just because you don't want other people to feel uncomfortable. That's codependent thinking, telling you that you have to rescue other people's emotions or sacrifice your needs and feelings for the comfort of others. Being a truth teller can be lonely. When other people live in a drastically different reality where the abuse doesn't exist, you can feel isolated and alone in your reality where you can see the truth about the abuse. When you speak up for the truth, you can lose a lot of friends who want to keep believing the lie. If that happened to you, remind yourself, were those people really even your friends if they can't handle the truth? Maybe it's time to get some new friends. Let the truth be a barometer of who gets to be a part of your inner circle. Number four, when you expose the truth about abuse, the abuser, and sometimes the enablers too, will flip the blame to you. This is called blame shifting, and it's a hallmark trait of manipulators and abusers. Since they're unable to accept self-responsibility for their actions, 
When they're called out for their abusive actions, they'll turn it around on you and blame you for something you did in the past or even accuse you of doing exactly what they did. That's called projection, and it's another tool they use to avoid accountability. The blame shift is a punishment for revealing their abuse that they would rather stay hidden, and it's also a redirection to put you on the defensive, taking the attention away from what they did. The message of the punishment is, shut up, go along with it, or else you will pay. When enablers don't want to accept that the person they admire or depend on is abusive, they'll often shift the blame to you. You'll hear things like, well, what were you wearing that made him rape you? Or, you were a young child, surely you can't remember accurately enough to say that you were sexually abused. Or, your father is such a good man, what did you do that made him hit you? When you call out the truth, expect the abuser, and sometimes the enablers, to turn it around on you. Don't go on the defensive, that's a waste of your energy and emotions. Take that as a sign to walk away from those people. The enablers might be good people with good intentions, but if they're living in fantasy land and making you feel responsible for having been abused, those are not healthy people for you to be around. Number five, you will be smeared for speaking the inconvenient truth. When you speak up about the truth of abuses of power in your family, office, or other social group, a smear campaign will be launched against you. It could be very covert, happening quietly behind the scenes, and you don't even realize it's happening except you notice that people are suddenly treating you differently. It's like as if they heard something about you that you aren't aware of. What you don't know is that the abuser is probably telling others that you're crazy, mentally ill, incompetent, or whatever else they're making up to drag your name through the mud. In the more overt cases, they'll call you a traitor, a troublemaker, an attention seeker, selfish, narcissistic, and anything else they can come up with in order to dehumanize you, to defame you, and to destroy your reputation. They'll launch these false accusations for the purpose of character assassination. That way, if you're discredited as a source of information, the information that you're sharing is also discredited by association. Therefore, they can pretend that the abuse didn't happen. The smear campaign is the tool that the abusers use to distract attention from the abuse and crimes they committed and to discredit the truth that you revealed. If they can discredit you as a person, then perhaps no one will believe what you're saying. They will gaslight other people into believing their distorted version of reality, so other people will stand for the smear campaign as well. In the group setting, they'll make it unpopular to stand for the truth, and since most people want to be liked, they'll abandon their own pursuit of truth and integrity in order to fit in with the group think. There will be peer pressure to choose the narrative spin over the truth, and those who carry out this dirty work are called flying monkeys. Those are the people that do the bidding of the abusers in order to maintain the status quo. In your family, that could be other relatives who support the abusers and tell others that you're crazy or you have mental health issues so your story can't be trusted. At the office, the flying monkeys could be your colleagues who support the abusive boss and tell others that you're lying or unstable, incompetent or jealous. In society, 
it's the mainstream media that does the work of the flying monkeys on behalf of the corporate totalitarian state. There are only six megacorporations that own over 90% of all American media. That means six corporations own the public perception of reality. Those same corporations also own the politicians. Gaslighting is their prime time special. When you're in the smear campaign, you'll feel extremely alone and helpless to combat the lies being told about you. When your eyes are open and you're watching this happen to a truth teller in the world, but others around you are brainwashed by the cover story and calling you crazy or a conspiracy theorist for believing otherwise, you can feel really alone as well. When you speak up for the truth, expect the smear campaign and build a strong sense of knowing who you really are. Don't engage with the smear campaign or try to convince people of the truth because you'll only start to feel crazy. Remind yourself of the truth. Number six, you end up playing detective to seek the truth, and then the abuser uses that against you. You know something is wrong, but you can't prove it without getting the proof, so you decide to investigate. As soon as you go through the abuser's stuff and find the proof, then bring it back to the abuser, they turn it around on you and blame you for going through their private information. Is it wrong to play detective when you suspect that your partner is cheating, lying, or deceiving you? How many of you have done that against your own personal principles? Because even though you know it's wrong to go through someone else's stuff, you also knew that you were being deceived and lied to, and you just needed the proof so you could stop obsessing and make decisions about what to do. Then, when you found the proof and brought it up to the liar, abuser, and betrayer, they threw it against you, and instead of addressing their lies, deception, and abuse, they said, I can't believe you went through my stuff. You're so abusive. Which is worse? The lying, deceiving, abuse, gaslighting, blame-shifting? Or the digging through private information for proof? This gets into an interesting debate. I'm not sure if you've seen the recent news that Julian Assange was recently arrested and taken from the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where he had political asylum since 2012. He was put in jail, and USA is threatening to extradite him so they can torture and punish him. What was his crime? Telling the truth. Assange is currently being smeared all over mainstream media for revealing the truth. Politicians on both sides of the American splitting political spectrum are calling for him to be tortured, thrown in jail for life, or hung. There is no proof that he hacked or stole the information that he published about USA's war crimes or any of his other publications. In fact, he has a 100% truth record on the documents that he has published. The indictment by USA is for conspiring to hack information in 2010 about United States war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan. Assange didn't go looking for that information himself. It was brought to him by the whistleblower Chelsea Manning, formerly known as Bradley Manning. She is currently back in jail and in solitary confinement for the last month because she refused to testify in a secret trial without her lawyer and without being able to publish the court transcripts. It seems they wanted her to say that Assange conspired with her to steal the classified documents that revealed the abuse of power by the USA military when they killed two Reuters journalists and many more innocent people. 
Assange simply published the information. That's what a journalist does. Journalists can legally receive classified information about abuse and crime, and then they can publish it while protecting their source, who's usually called the whistleblower, so that person isn't persecuted by the abusers and criminals for revealing the truth. That's the work that journalists are supposed to do in order to keep the power structures of government in check. Thanks to Daniel Ellsberg and the leak of the Panama Papers in 1971 about the atrocities that USA was committing in Vietnam, that war ended early because people found out and they were angry at their government. What we're seeing nowadays in society is an alarming persecution of truth-tellers who reveal the abuse and crimes of the state. This same trend trickles down all the way to families and interpersonal relationships. Ron Paul says, truth is treason in an empire of lies. Investigative journalists, not the talking heads on mainstream media promoting the corporate totalitarian agendas, but the actual journalists who publish information about abuses of power and other things, are hunted down, smeared, and thrown in jail. They are the equivalent of the truth-tellers in the family, the office, or any social organization or group. When you reveal the truth of the dirty secrets that the powers that be don't want revealed about their abuses of power, the truth-teller will often pay for it through an aggressive campaign of dehumanization and character assassination. What we're seeing on the macro level in society is the same thing that's happening on the micro level in interpersonal relationships when incriminating evidence is brought to light about abuse. In America, the two previous presidents used the Espionage Act against journalists who revealed inconvenient truths about abuses of power, corruption, and war crimes sponsored by USA. We will soon see how the current administration handles the situation with Assange, though I'm not optimistic listening to the way they're currently spinning it and the lengths they went to in order to get Ecuador's corrupt new president to give up Assange like the $4.2 billion loan that he just received from the Washington, D.C.-based International Monetary Fund. If they extradite, torture, and imprison Assange against international law and for the crime of exposing the truth, this wouldn't be the beginning of the loss of freedom of speech, but it would be another very large nail in the coffin. This is a growing trend that we are seeing more and more of in the last year, with public figures being banned from social media platforms and even countries. I highly recommend you reflect on these situations, and before you believe everything you see in the news, recognize that smear campaigns are often full of false accusations against truth-tellers, and freedom of speech isn't just for people that you agree with. It's either for everyone or not at all. Because when we allow people to be silenced because we don't agree with them, or we don't like who they are as a person, that's a very slippery slope. A country without freedom of speech is a country without freedom, where abuse will continue to spread, truth will continue to get silenced, and abusers will continue to triumph. When you speak up for the truth after playing detective, expect the abuser to instead call you abusive for revealing the evidence of their crimes. At that point, you know you're dealing with someone who cannot accept accountability for their actions. When the crime goes unpunished and those who expose the crime are called criminals, we're living in a fucked up system. Number seven, 
There will always be a cover story to hide the truth. This is a narrative that the abusers spin. It's how they gaslight others to believe in a distorted reality, the version of reality that the abusers want people to believe so they can carry out the agendas that they want without public outcry about the abuse taking place. You'll notice how the cover story is programmed into people's minds with mantras or catchphrases, and then people who get brainwashed go on repeating these same phrases, erasing the abuse that took place. In families, you'll hear mantras like, family comes first, and family bonds are stronger than steel. They'll protect the image of the family before the well-being and healing of the victims who are abused by family members. In spiritual cults, you'll hear things like, that's just a device so you can become aware of your own personal discomfort due to your jealousy and desires when the guru is questioned on why he has 90 Rolls Royces paid for by his followers. In society, you'll hear phrases like, national security is at risk in order to silence the truth tellers and whistleblowers who expose war crimes and other abuses of power. They'll use fear and narcissistic chest-beating patriotism to manipulate the unwoke masses into supporting the abusive totalitarian state along with their corruption and crimes, with the people's tax dollars. They'll talk about, quote-unquote, giving humanitarian aid as a pretext to invade sovereign countries, topple their governments, replace the leaders with their puppets, and take their resources. All in the name of democracy and freedom, of course. When you speak up for the truth, expect the abuser to already have a pre-planned plausible deniability cover story to hide what really happened. You might be the last to get the memo. Expect that other people likely already believe in that cover story because it's already been covertly planted into their minds, and that narrative is more convenient to the way that they actually want to see the family, the social group, or even their government or the world. What's your current relationship with the truth? What about when it gets ugly? Can you hang with the truth? Do you prefer fantasy land? Or do you have the courage to seek truth and stand in the truth, even when it means you might be all alone? Relentlessly facing the truth is an important step in the first stage of recovery after abuse. In order to dissolve the cognitive dissonance in your mind, you need to confront yourself with the truth over and over again until you reach the point of spontaneous breakthrough into acceptance. The acceptance is not about tolerating or permitting the abuse. This kind of acceptance is about accepting that it was abuse and accepting that the person who abused you is an abuser. This is why it's helpful to write the sobriety list, where you put all the bullet points of the abuse, mistreatment, manipulation, and hurtful things that the abuser did. Then you read that every time your mind wants to go into the fantasy, illusion, denial, or toxic hope. You'll find more on that in the episode I did on cognitive dissonance. Confronting yourself with the truth helps you to override the survival mechanisms of the brain that delete memories of abuse and only want to remind you of the quote-unquote good times. Without facing the truth, you won't be able to free yourself from the abuser. 
Until you break through into acceptance, you'll keep returning to the fantasy, illusion, denial, and toxic hope because those are a lot more comfortable. Those four distractions from the truth will keep setting you back into the abuse cycle again with the same abuser or into new abuse cycles with new abusers and you'll wonder why it keeps happening again and again. If you've been through abuse, you had to overcome the cognitive dissonance. You can have a great amount of compassion for the people who have yet to recognize that they're being abused. The first level of accepting the truth is the internal acceptance of that truth. The next layer is when you stand up, when you take a stand and you speak that truth to your family, your group, your community, or society at large. It's up to you. It's your call if you want to speak up for the truth in your family, your workplace, your social group, or society. It definitely has its risks, but also its rewards. Before you can take that step, you'll have to accept the truth for yourself. That just might be the hardest part. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Inner Integration Podcast. I hope you learned something today that helps you see from a new perspective so you can take new action and transform your life after narcissistic abuse. Remember, you are enough, you matter, and you got this. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to get automatic updates on new podcast episodes as they're released. Visit us online at www.innerintegration.com where you'll get a free three-part video course when you enter your name and email on the homepage. Get loads of more free content to help you heal after narcissistic abuse on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Big hug to you.